Well, good afternoon and welcome to another episode of The Star Blades. We are live on Facebook, so if you've got any questions and comments, um, just give us a shout and we'll get through them. Chris, I can see your um, smirk. <laughs> Try not to laugh. Um, James, obviously a free weekend, QPR on Monday. Uh, any ideas how um, how they're going to be spending the weekend? Are there sort of plans in place or is it just a case of adjusting that week? Not, not the lobby deal you were doing yesterday. I was just going to say, yeah. hopefully a little bit better than you, Steve, because you uh, you do look and sound as if you're uh, you're struggling there. Is that water you're on? Or Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. 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 Are you sure? I'm sure, hundred percent. Possibly, possibly it shouldn't be. You make the weekend a whole lot better if it's not. If it's a plan <laughs> or something else, but uh, no, it'd be uh, business as usual. Uh, I don't think a, a Monday night game makes any material difference to how either team's going to prepare. In fact, do you know what? They'll probably welcome it because it gives both Mark Warburton and Paul Hackingbottom. Uh, more more time to spend with their players, more time to work on the things that they'll want to be adjusting. Uh, Paul is obviously relatively new into the uh, into the job. Uh, certainly, uh, the, the job as permanent manager. Mark will obviously be wanting to uh, address a few issues arising out of QPR's game against Stoke City last weekend. So, listen, I I know footballers are, are probably as skilled at making excuses sometimes as they are manipulating a ball but no i i don't think uh i don't think there's, there's there should be any any change any difference any great uh any great alteration of their plans over the weekend no we should stress that um the reason i asked you this james for my understanding yesterday the reason why they've got two monday games in a row is because of the festive football calendar um and the fact that the fixtures have moved, moved around a bit chris one thing we spoke about last week as well was that um we were sort of talking about whether there would be a, a sort of short-term spike under Paul Heckenbottom. Um, I think it's it's 10 points from possible 12 for the last four. Has that surprised you? I know some four of those came under Slavisi Kanovic, but things are on the up. Um, I'm not really, not really surprised by the results because I kind of felt that they might come anyway, regardless of a change of manager, because as we've said so many times in this podcast, the quality of the squad has never been any doubt. It was just the, the form has been had been patchy. And so, you know, it, it was consistency that was, was probably the biggest problem more than anything else because they showed it in various stages throughout the season that what they are capable of, but we just didn't really see enough of it. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not surprised that they've, they've gone on a run. Um, that's not to say that it's a it's a coincidence, really. I mean, clearly, there has been something that, that Paul Heckingbottom has brought has brought to the team that that's given them a little bit of a lift. Um, it it could well be just a case of you know a, a face that they knew, a face that they were comfortable with, um, a manager who was who was comfortable in. In speaking to those players in a way that he knew he was going to get the best out of them, and and perhaps that's just been a little bit, you know, it's just given everybody a little bit of a lift. So, um, I, I think it's a little bit of both, really. Like I say, I think the results may well have come anyway, um, but like I say, Paul Hickenbottom's obviously made made an impact there in some way, um. Certainly, with the way they're playing, I think the the performances have probably 
I was going to say their performance has been better than, than the results, but the results have been, they've obviously been winning. But you, you see what I mean? They're, they're, at, they're, they're putting in good displays on top of the, the actually actually picking up the points, which hasn't always been the case this season. James, is it a slight on Slovisi Kanovic, you think? No, not at all. I was, I was just going to sort of jump in there just at the end uh, because I think we're, we're probably as guilty as anyone when it, when it comes to doing what I'm just going to talk about. When, when I say we, I mean those of us in the media. And I, I certainly am at times, so I'm not, I'm not trying to take the moral high ground there. But I think very often when you get a situation like this, it becomes a, almost like a, a, a Paul Heckingbottom versus Slavisa Jukanovic scenario. You know, who's better than the other? What, why is this happening when it didn't happen under, under the previous guy at the helm? And I, I, I think, you know, very often what happens at a football club is a little bit, as, as Chris alluded to, is a little bit more sort of complex than that, really. You know, there'll be, listen, there are things that Paul Heckingbottom is doing differently. We spoke to Conor Hurihan this week. Really good talker, by the way, actually. I was really, really impressed with him. It's it, it's lovely in this social media sort of, you know, engineered age to actually talk to a footballer. And this isn't a dig at anyone else at Bramall Lane, by the way. But to be able to talk to a footballer who actually is willing to to answer the questions honestly, so that's clearly his move to Manchester United gone for a Burton now, isn't it? But I think you know some of the things that Paul's doing now, he'll be benefiting from some of the work that Slavisa Jukanovic did. I don't think there's uh, there's any doubt about that, and I think Paul himself would admit that. I think, as Connor pointed out, there are things, as I've said, that he's doing differently. It sounds as if the intensity. Of the, of the training sessions has gone up. So again, as Chris said, a little bit more sort of familiarity probably with how things were under Slavisa's uh, predecessor, Chris Wilder. But I think what you've got to recognise in situations like this is that, you know, the, the, the landscape, if you like, that Paul Heckingbottom was looking at when he stepped into this job and the pressures are very different to the pressures in the landscape that Slavisa Jukanovic was looking at when he came in. He came in with a brief. We all know what Slavisa Jukanovic was about. He will have wanted to try and change the team, try and change the culture, change the strategy that the, that the football club was working to. And that takes time. And sometimes it can be a painful process. Paul Heckingbottom, I think, largely because... He's already been at the football club. He was obviously under-23s manager when he first arrived. He had a spelling caretaker charge last season. Now he's back in, in the role in a permanent capacity. Probably that pressure to, to change wasn't quite as acute on Paul as it, as it will have been on Slavisa Kanovic. What I will say is, and again, I think Paul will privately admit this and privately accept this, is that Many of the challenges that Slavisa Kanovic, for the reasons I've just outlined, was confronting a couple of months ago, Paul Heckingbottom will still have to confront in the medium term because those, those issues at the football club, the challenges that everybody knows what they are, those are still there. They haven't gone away. So, yes, brilliant, celebrate the results. But let's just acknowledge that there is still an, an, an awful lot of, of hard work to do. I think, you know, that, and again, that, that's no slight. I think most people working behind the scenes at Bramall Lane and most supporters 
watching or listening to this, you know, they, they know that as well. Yeah. We'll come on to individuals in a, in a moment, Conor Hoohan in particular. Chris, is promotion realistic now? I know it's been sort of talked about. I think they've cut the gap to, to the playoffs to, to four points. So it feels like they're a little bit closer to, to that top six. But is it is it a realistic goal for the, for the rest of this season? Yeah, I, I I must admit, and this might sound a bit mad, but I I never really at at any point, even when things weren't, you know, when, when the results weren't coming their way, I never really felt that they were completely out of it. I really, I must admit, um, and so given the 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 upturn in in results over the last few weeks, um, I think they're very much in there. I I don't think it's a a particularly difficult division this year, I must admit. Um, and I, I, I just I feel like there are a few clubs above them who you could get at. Who, you know, if you want to move up the table, you could target them. There, um, there are a lot of teams who are having really good seasons so far, but I'm not sure that they have in them the level of consistency. I. I you, you can include Sheffield United in that as well, I have to say. But, you know, there are teams like, I think you could get at Stoke, you could get at QPR, you could get at Coventry. There there are teams there that you can look at them and go, right, let's let's edge onto them, put them under a little bit of pressure. Um, so, yeah, they're they're not too far off. And, and like I say, I never really felt that they were completely out of it. They just needed to go on a little bit of a run because you've seen that once you, when you get, particularly whenever you're kind of in that mid to lower end of the table, if you pick up two, three, four wins in a row or, or whatever, or go on an unbeaten run in three or four games, then you can very quickly rise up the table. But once they get to that point of maybe kind of seventh or eighth, then it becomes a little bit more difficult um, to eat into it. But I still, I do I do honestly think that they're, they're more than capable of, of getting into the playoffs. James, I'm going to pick on you for your West London links. Um, why is it do you think QPR are having such a good season? I think there's probably a couple of reasons. I think the most the, the most obvious one is obviously they've got good players. Uh, you look at Andre Ward, a player that I know Chris Wilder wanted to bring to to Sheffield United at one point. You know, he's a he's a proven striker. You've got sort of the experience of of Charlie Austin, you've 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 got Willock up up top as well, who, who runs behind. So they've they've got an awful lot of you know. Mark Warburton's got an awful lot there to work with. You know, I think he can probably approach games, different games in different ways, because he's got so there's there's quite a wide skill set, isn't there, within that within that group of players. But you know, I think the other the other reason is listen, Mark Mark is a really good manager. We we know that. And I think he's been given the time and the support and the, you know, the assistance required to be able to to put certain things in place. I mean, listen, in short, Mark Warburton has enjoyed all of the things that Paul Heckingbottom will hope to be given by Sheffield United. Now, they weren't given to Slavisa Jukanovic, and there's reasons for that. We won't go into it, else we'll all be sat here till four o'clock in the afternoon. But we have discussed those in the past. So before anybody accuses us of doing this, we're not ducking them. But, you know, Paul Heckingbottom will hope that he is given the same type of support, the same type of backing that Mark Warburton has been given at QPR. Now I've said that, he'll probably get sacked 
after the game <laughs> at Bramall Lane on Monday night. But no, it's they, listen, sometimes people just make football a damn sight more complicated than it actually is. If you've got good players, if you've got a well-run football club, if you've got everybody at the at the ground and at the training ground all working towards one goal. And when I when I mean one goal, listen, I mean winning games is is bleeding obvious, isn't it? But what I mean by that is how to achieve that aim. Chances are you, you, you're going to have a, a successful team. Yeah. Problems start when you don't have all of those ingredients. And I think it's fair to say Sheffield United have had most of those ingredients, but not all of them in the in the not-so-distant past. Chris, obviously, I said we'd get on to individuals. Connor Hurahan, um, he's not the best start, it's fair to say. But, I mean, this is a guy, obviously, was a, a massive, massive part of what Swansea did last season. I feel... Sheffield United are sitting on a top top player there. Um, again, another one about I suppose looking into the future, a bit of stargazing. But do you do you maybe anticipate change of manager, change of slight change of scenery behind the scenes in terms of a, a different approach might be good for him? Yeah, um, I think he's alluded to that fact over the past couple of days that he's very clearly got a very good relationship with Paul Heckenbottom, who he was with at, at Barnsley, where. Where Connor really, really made his name, I guess. In I know he'd been at Yeovil before then. Um, Plymouth, oh, Plymouth, Plymouth. It was yeah, sorry. Um, but yeah, um, he he obviously can kind of thrived under Hecky at, at Barnsley, and that's and that's what got him his his big move to to Villa. The um, I, I must admit. Up until recent weeks, he's been quite disappointing. I, I don't know whether they were getting the best out of him, whether he was playing in the in the right position. I, I mean, I remember quite recently one of one of Yukanovich's uh, last games. He got the hook at half time. Her hand, but the, the game was completely passing him by. Um, but that might not have been his fault, really. In hindsight, it's just I, I'm not entirely sure that. He really fit in to to the way that the United were playing at the time. Um, well, yeah, he's, he's very clearly a very very good championship player. Um, and, and actually, we felt at the time when they signed him that it was it was it was something of a coup. Really, it was a, it was a well maybe coup is a bit much, but certainly is the type of player and the level of player that Sheffield United probably should have been been looking towards um as they kind of got themselves used to playing in the championship again and it hadn't quite worked out well we certainly like i say i haven't seen the best of them as yet but i think there's there's plenty more to come from him. i'll tell you what connor hurian could be the big big beneficiary of, of paul heckingbottom's appointment i don't think there's any doubt about that because as chris said he's He's, he's clearly got a very, very tight relationship with Paul Hackingbottom. Paul will know, you know, the buttons that, that Connor wants to press and vice versa. Connor will know exactly what, what Paul wants. Uh, it was it, it was interesting to hear him talk, actually, at the training ground on Thursday, Connor Hurrihan, that is, about how he's doing his coaching badges now. And the first person he used to ring for sort of advice when he embarked on that process was Paul Hackingbottom. So, you know, there's clearly a great deal of mutual respect there. But just going back to, to the start, do you know what? Listen, 
footballer loses a bit of form. Whoopie do, what a surprise. He's 30. It's going to happen at some point in your career. You know, it's it's it really is. I, I, I say it's no big deal. It obviously is a big deal if it's costing the team results. But, you know, I don't know why people get so surprised at times when a, when a player has a bad run. It happens. But if they're a good player, they'll return at some point to being a good player until their legs give up. And I tell you what, Sheffield United know this better than anybody because, and I include Robin Olsen in this, by the way, because he's had a, a, a disappointing start to his Sheffield United career. He's out injured at the moment, but you don't win as many caps for Sweden as he's won. You don't end up at AS Roma, which he's done. He's obviously here on loan without being a damn good footballer. And we saw this with Aaron Ramsdale. Aaron Ramsdale, I tell you, 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 you wouldn't have got five bob for him, would you? No. 12 months ago. That was what we were all being told. The kid was, pardon my French, he was crap. He, he, he couldn't catch a cold, let alone COVID. And, he, you know, now he's playing for Arsenal. He's their undisputed number one. And the chances are you would look at at the direction that his career's going. And the chances are he's going to be England's undisputed number one very soon as well. So, you know, that's just form. That's just confidence. There'll be a variety of reasons why that happens to different players. I just think that's what happened with Connor. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure Robin Olsen will, will come back to show us why he's, he's got the moves he's had. Uh, and I hope he does as well because he's another. There's another big beneficiary actually of uh, of Paul Ackingbob's appointment has been Wes Fodringham, who I think's done brilliantly. You know, and I was really pleased when Sheffield United signed him because again, you don't play for Rangers. I don't care what division they were in at the time. You don't play for Rangers unless you're a damn good footballer and you can cope with pressure. It's one of the biggest clubs in the world, let alone in the country. And, you know, if Sheffield United can get Conor Hurrahan competing for places in midfield, can get Robin Olsen and Wes Fodringham competing for that one place in goal, brilliant. One per, one thing's going to benefit, and that's United. Yeah. Back to you again, James. Um, Jack O'Connell, is there an update on, on when we might see him back in a Sheffield United shirt? Well, we'll see him back in a Sheffield United shirt of some description next week when he, uh, when he, when he visits the training ground. Uh, just for a, for a catch up with the uh, with the rest of the squad, but no, there's no date yet for his return. Paul Ackingbottom spoke about this yesterday again. Uh, you know, he explained why he's doing his rehab away from the ground. Uh, he, he, he said, you know, when 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 you're out injured for a long time, which Paul has been at some points during his own playing career. He described it as being quite a dark place and it can be quite, you know, mentally challenging if you're watching your teammates and your friends prepare for a game that you know you're going to be playing no part in and trying to chase a goal promotion that he knows he's probably going to have no part to play in. So, you know, sometimes I get that. A change of scenery is probably no bad thing. I think it's fair to say, though, that the very fact that even now, he's, he's not played for over a year now, and the very fact that Jack is no closer, seemingly, to a, a return to action is obviously, there's no point in dressing it up. There's, it is deeply, deeply troubling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's move on to something a little bit more positive. Morgan Gibbs-White 
Um, James, I will come back to you because I've got a question on that, but Chris will bring you back in. Um, another one, has this taken you by surprise just how much she sort of grabbed this opportunity by the scruff of the neck, Chris? I'm going to put it out there. For me, he's the best player in the division. Oh, big call. Um, certainly the four. I, I, I must admit, I didn't know an awful lot about him before he came to United. I hadn't seen him. I hadn't seen much of him. I didn't really know what to expect. I knew there was quite a lot of talk around you know what what he was capable of and his, his potential but I, I didn't know just how much of an impact or certainly didn't see that he would have the impact that he that he has had um he certainly to, to touch on your big claim there he's certainly been head and shoulders above anybody else in a Sheffield United shirt this season in terms of his his performances and consistent performances at that um so is he the best player in the championship? I'll, I'll put him in the top ten. Uh, top ten. Um, top ten. Yeah, maybe. Pick the splinters out, Chris. Come on. Uh, well, it, it, there are a lot of good players in this division. There are, uh, uh, an awful lot of good players in this division. Yeah. All right. I'll go. Maybe go top five then. Okay. Right. I suppose you've got Alexander Mitrovic in there, yeah. so he's definitely up there. I'll tell you what. Can Can you just imagine? Let, let's let's just play fantasy football for a minute here. And I know the owner of Sheffield United likes to do that. Yeah. Uh, but can you just imagine if 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 circumstances have been slightly different? Slavisa Jukanovic, who's got a great relationship with with Alexander Mitrovic, of course. I mean, Mitrovic has said that's that's why he knocked back the the proposed move to Anderlecht to, to go into the championship with Fulham because because Slavisa was there, his his, his Serb, fellow Serb. Can you just imagine if we were watching now, Alexandra Mitrovic, Slavisa Jukanovic puts in the call in July. Come on, we've got the money. Gets in there. Morgan Gibbs-White loading the gun for uh, for Mitrovic. Be pretty special, that, wouldn't it? But we can we can dream. I feel like that that, that feels like a sort of a forty goal partnership. I was going to stop you after we've got the money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely dreamland. Uh, is there, James? Is there an update on Gibbs White and, and that loan agreement, and of whether he might go back in January? Well, there, there, there is no uh, definitive update. And again, we asked Paul about this during his, his pre-match for the QPR game. But certainly, the mood music around both clubs is that at the moment, all things considered, Morgan Gibbs White will stay where he is. And I think that makes sense. It was it was interesting yesterday to hear Paul in his answer to the question about what was going to happen with with Morgan. Because obviously everybody everybody wants to know because Sheffield United, you know, as well as they're doing at the moment, would look a damn sight poor aside without without him in it. And that's another issue. That was one of the issues I was talking about earlier that they're gonna to have to address at some point. Uh, maybe internally or by bringing somebody in externally. Uh, but it was interesting because Paul was talking about Morgan loves his football. We still feel there's an awful lot to come from him. And what he kept doing was making references to how he's progressed at Bramall Lane. Now, this comes on the back of an interview that Morgan did a month or so back where he talked about the fact that all I want to do is play football. Uh, 
that was clearly a little nudge, I think, because footballers aren't daft, despite what anybody says. And I think that was a nudge to Wolves to say, listen, unless I'm going to be playing every week, I'd rather stay here and play every week. Thank you very much. And I think what Paul was doing, certainly, he's giving Wolves a, a gentle reminder publicly, and I'm damn sure he's done it privately as well, that, you know what, his best interests are best served at the moment by staying here. I, I do think, unless there's a major injury crisis at Molyneux, I do think that's that, that's probably the way that this will pan out, yeah. It's worth pointing out, Pedro Nesso is on his way back for Wolves as well, which will... Yeah. Um, well, again, it's another sort of player in in the way for Gibbs White. It's, it's more traffic, as a, to borrow a term you might use. Question from Christopher Barton: What players are we using? Are we, are we using? Are we losing in January? James, you might be best uh, best place to take this one. Well, in in short, that they're, they're not sure at the moment, and the market will will decide that because if somebody comes in with a you know a, a, a ridiculous bid for a player that say Sheffield United don't want to lose, then, you know, the, the the way the market is, the way the food chain in football works, is that the chances are they'll probably be gone. I think we can all look at certain players and, and know the ones that, that the club would be willing to trade. I think Oliver Burke is probably one. I think, you know, unless he goes on a great run of form, I think Lise Moussae, unfortunately, is... Is probably one that they would consider getting something back on their their investment for because he's not in the side again at the moment. Uh, and you would you would look at someone like Ollie McBurney as well, and you know he's obviously got a resale value. I think Sander Burge will probably would probably quite like to be playing at a higher level. I think it's fair to say. And again, his move to Bramall Lane hasn't really worked. Uh, so that, I think that's someone else that they could they could do with losing. But I think where this becomes so sort of difficult to fathom is because there's so many factors you've got to you've got to consider, and there's so many factors that the coaching staff will be having to consider as well. Because on top of the on top of the market dictating ultimately who's going to stay and who's going to go, you've got so many players out of contract there. Some of those will be able to talk to to clubs outside of the EFL's jurisdiction. We saw that with, with John Lundstrom last season. Uh, so they might have ideas of their own. But also, th- there's there's a, there's a reprofiling exercise that needs to go on here at the football club as well because they're exceptionally top-heavy on strikers. They're too, they're too top-heavy. There's no doubt about it because they're going to reach a point at some stage when... You're going to have some really good footballers knowing full well it doesn't matter what they do in training, we are not going to start at the weekend. And that is not conducive to having a good team spirit behind the scenes and a good atmosphere. So some of those are going to have to go, which is why I mentioned the names that I did. But I touched on this earlier this week. I think where it becomes really difficult for Paul, and I know I'm rambling on here, but I'm, I, I promise you I'll shut up in a minute, <laughs> is that... <laughs> A lot of the players who are doing the business at the moment for Sheffield United, in terms of the ones who are permanently contracted to the football club, are at the the wrong end of the age spectrum, if you like. Now, nobody wants to see Billy Sharp leave Sheffield United. Nobody wants to see Chris Basham leave Sheffield United. Nobody wants to see David McGoldrick leave Sheffield United. But 
it's a ruthless game and there will come a point when obviously Paul is going to be looking, if he's still in charge, to begin just gently easing them out of the starting eleven on a weekly basis and just maybe using them, you know, on a, on a more infrequent basis. So in an ideal world, that's the way you would have been thinking. But the, the, the problem is those are the players at the moment that Sheffield United just can't afford to lose. So I can't see them wanting to trade with any of them either. So the players that he will have to trade with, and I think it's fair to say he will have to trade for financial and for sporting reasons, are the ones that ideally, in terms of the strategy, they'd probably be looking to sort of develop at the football club. So it's a, it's a really, really difficult situation to, uh, to try and predict. Paul himself has alluded to the fact that, you know, he's not reached a concrete decision on anybody yet either. Because, you know, in, in his own words, form will decide. I, w I wonder if, if the current... Kind of raise, rise in in restrictions and the and the the bit of panic around around COVID might um, alter the market a little bit. It might it might spook some clubs who were possibly willing to pay money in January. They might think to themselves, "Well, hold on a minute here. What happens if we lo lose crowds again at some point in this in the season?" Um, and you know, if the restrictions really bite in the new year. Um, so I, I do wonder if if some clubs who who were maybe kind of maybe would have come into come into the likes of Sheffield United for to try and pick off some players might now take a step back and think oh do you know what actually I'm not sure if we're gonna if we're gonna make this um, make this decision to, to sign players because you just never know what's around the corner. I think the transfer market as a whole might might just be um, a little bit quieter than than it may well that people may have thought maybe a couple of months ago. And on the flip side, I guess if uh, if Sheffield United didn't have an excuse to spend before, they do now anyway. Um, yeah. I think <laughs> without uh, without digging in on out, someone I think Joe Crown is calling me our Sheffield Wednesday correspondent. So we'll leave it at that. At that, but. Um, well, thanks very much for listening and thanks for those of you who commented and uh, for the single question. We appreciate that one. Obviously, no game this weekend, but in the meantime, check out the Stars website, um, obviously the Sheffield United section for all the latest Blades news. Thanks for listening. <laughs>